Welcome to On Stage, Off Stage, the show for, of, and about theater and the good folks who toil away unceasingly to bring it to you. My name is George Sapio, and we are broadcasting on WRFI 88.1 FM in Ithaca, 91.9 FM Watkins Glen, and 89.9 FM in Odessa. Radio for the people and by the people, broadcasting independent and locally produced programs. You're listening to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm George Sapio, and today's guest is the remarkably talented Holly Adams. Holly is a uh, actor. She's a director. She makes goofy faces at me when I'm trying to do a radio production here. And she is, among other things, a clown. Not to not to say this in a derogatory manner when you call somebody, oh, you know, Holly. Yeah, she's a clown. No, actually, Holly is a clown. That's one. That's one of the you know the, the many facets of what she does uh, in theater. So. Before I embarrass myself any further, Holly, what is it that makes you a clown? Um, well, if you ask my husband, he'll say that I can't help myself. Okay. <laughs> that I do it as a, <laughs> that I perform red nose because that's how I move through life. And that's how I sort of like cope with crisis. Anytime I have a really terrible, terrible time in my life, I just imagine uh, a movie about that moment with Bill Murray playing my part. There you go. That's, that's, <laughs> that's good casting. It you just mentioned, makes you mentioned, it funny. You mentioned red nose. I mean, were you being sarcastic or were you being literal? Oh, li- yeah, uh, literal. Um, sometimes when people say, oh, are you a clown? They think um, that my specialty is birthday uh, parties and balloon animals. And there are clowns that do that. But that's that's not my practice. And so sometimes we just call it red nose. And basically, so there's a there's a... Clowning is a, a huge, ginormous umbrella of different kinds of performance styles, and they have a, a number of things in common. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there should be funny, yeah, funniness. Yeah, one, one normally associates clowns with, with, with being funny. Yeah, yeah, normally. And um, they often remind us of how unbelievably stupid and ridiculous we we are as a species. Um, well, the heart of comedy is pointing the finger at everything that we do that is ridiculous and yeah. stupid. Yeah, and the, the something that makes clowning work is that it it's also um, coming out of a place of compassion. Um, you know, as they say, the uh, the barbed arrow of satire must fly ever upward, or at least on the very level. That's but a. It's got to land someplace, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But that that meaning, of course, if you are um, poking the finger at someone with less social power than you, that's not actually satire, and it's not actually funny. All you're re- all you're that's doing. Being mean. Yeah, yeah. Being that's just being yeah. mean. Right. So clowns uh, technically should not be bullies. Right. Right. And okay. so the substance of what you're doing or saying will change depending on the context that you're in, you know. Um, and and there's uh, clowning that fits into a form of storytelling and there's clowning that's completely silent and red nose. And there's, you know, just all different kinds of of clowning and stuff like that. I'm, I'm going to ask you a stupid question because I'm obsessed <laughs> I'm with the like red nose. I'm like totally now. inarticulate right now. So sorry. No, you're, you're, you're fine. <laughs> when you say red nose. All right. We're, we're talking costume, and we will get to identity, and we will get to all that in a minute. <laughs> okay. Um, but what else is there besides the red nose? I mean, it's what goes into uh. being a clown. Is it is it costume? Is it attitude? Is it physical manifestation? Uh. Um, it's it's that it's mostly um, a combination of having really fabulous performance chops. And that sense of um, being able to look at things from a completely 
from the uh, non-typical point of view and having compassion and a wry sense of humor. You may or may not be wearing a red nose at the time. Interestingly enough, many of the clown forms in the world have a variation on a red nose. It's kind of it's quite quite fascinating, actually. Uh, sorry, geek clown alert, geek clown alert. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I am the only us, person I know. Tell about the red nose, because it's <laughs> well, universal, isn't it? Almost. Almost. Not quite, but nearly so. Like, even the clown characters in um, things like um, Kabuki often have a red nose in, in amongst the rest of the makeup. Not not always, but oftentimes. And in some of the, um, like, Topeng, which is a Balinese form of more or less street theater. It's like commedia. Um, and in uh, Commedia dell'arte, although the noses aren't typically red, you know, t- uh, originally the masks were made of leather, the nose is still a really big part of identifying the character. Um, Why is that? Is it because <clears throat> it's central to the face, location, or? I think that's true. And I also think it's the funniest thing about the face. You know, it's it's really, noses can be um, drawn out and exaggerated and changed, you know, right. to change the how you feel about that face and what story that face is telling you. For example, in Commedia dell'arte, which is a clown form of sorts, mm-hmm. the Capitano, who is uh, the, the captain, um, a braggart, who's also a complete scaredy cat, and uh, probably course, a, yes. a virgin, yeah. even though he brags about, you know, I conquered all these armies with this hand. With this hand, I pleased all of their wives. Well, you know, that kind of stuff. And his nose is this long sword-like thing that he waves about and uses completely ineffectually. Is this like Pinocchio? S- sort of, not exactly. Because I mean, he's it's obviously uh, lying. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's people, the um, Pantalone, who... Um, is very, very lecherous, both for women, uh, young things, and for money, and uh, is impotent on, like, he can't succeed or it's not funny. You know, he has everything. He controls the the money power, and he has to be, he has to fail, or it's drama, right? And so mm-hmm. his nose looks... Um, it's the limp phallus nose. Okay. And it's quite it's quite obvious. So the nose is generally <laughs> indicative of the nature of the character? Yeah, and even if you don't know that history, you will respond to these funny nose shapes. Right. And that's true, like, not just in Commedia dell'arte, but... It's definitely one of the most universal signs that we... I mean, somebody puts on a red nose and people around them... Know what that means. They yeah. know what that means. They yeah. start to smile. They start, you know... Yeah, they provided start it's not like and, a, a clown with a creepy agenda. Oh, can I say this ooh, thing? Creepy clowns. <laughs> we need to talk so about creepy We do, clowns. we do. I, I know being raised in this country and being raised with uh, and, and seeing clowns every now and then, they all seem to be the floppy-footed, baggy pants, uh, smear paint, huge garish grins, and, you know, the the, the uh-huh. everything from Bozo, who, honestly, as a child, I found Bozo terrifying. I had <laughs> nightmares about yeah. about Bozo. Uh-huh. Okay, you've got a gig today. Uh-huh. What do you do? How do you prepare? What do you, what do you look okay. like? Um, it depends. If I'm doing something where I'm working... Um, so if I'm doing something, for example, doing clown therapy with um, Alzheimer's and dementia patients, right. I'm moving into that space with a different things that I have to keep track of in my mind than I do if I'm performing at an elementary school with one of our kid family clown shows, like right. Further Adventures of Clown or... 
big and little shop for the universe or one of those. Um, or if I'm doing something that's uh, more more classically Italian, a little risque. Commedia uh, dell'arte. Sí. Or, or a red nose piece, an original red nose piece, but intended for adults. Mm-hmm. Um, those are different things. Although, crazy enough, my personal costume might be the same in each of those three instances. Like, um, for myself, I tend to put my hair up in a ponytail and then put debris in my hair. So Debris? <laughs> debris do, do, okay, no. I'm, and it depends what, what I do. So sometimes it might be plastic flowers, but sometimes it's like, you know, a broken plastic fork. Um Used hospital things. Uh, okay. So I might take a Used clean condom and make and pull it and stretch it out and stick it in my hair and <laughs> just. Hopefully like, not for kids parties. Holly. No, no, that's like okay. that's that's a flowers run. That's a flowers run or leaves. Kids love it when I have like leaves in my hair. Um, but then the my makeup tends to be big red puffy nose. Um, uh, balloon shaped, small balloon shaped yellow. Marks on my mm-hmm. cheeks. Do you, do you have any clown gigs coming up? I seem to remember you mentioning something to me about. Did you, Did you actually say Afghanistan? Yeah, yeah. Um, That's what I thought. I, I don't think I was hallucinating. Okay. No, no. Uh, yes, maybe you were hallucinating, but I also. <laughs> Could you elucidate on my hallucination, please? Back in February of two thousand and two, went with Patch Adams, who was there for a short time. Give, give us a small bio of Patch, because there are probably people out right. there who don't. Patch Adams, um, we're not related, is a medical doctor who, in his youth, began to really explore the effects of humor on healing, and expanded his thought process of what is healing to not just the individual in a medical situation, but a community, a world a political situation, a social situation, a war situation, whatever that means. Right. Um, and currently takes different people from different walks of life on trips. Uh, I know he's going on one to Guatemala in March. Um, anyway, he was approached by some by an Italian filmmaker to to go on a humanitarian mission with the Italian military and Patch said if we can bring clowns from all over the world so it was this fabulous filmmaker's idea and brainchild and uh, the city of Rome Italy sponsored it and and they took over all this medicine and food and a 20 person Italian film crew and wow. clowns from from all over the world including six clowns from the United States Patch, his brother, and one of their colleagues were three of them. And then there were three others of us chosen from North America. Right. And I was one of those. And it was, That's great. It was so such an yeah. honor. And uh, How long were you over there? I was over there for about two and a half weeks. And I'm going back in uh, September or October of 2013. And I'm so excited. Yeah, well, so, it's, yeah it's a... well, I'm going with the Afghan Friends Network this time. Okay. Um, Not with Patch. No, um, but I'm so excited. Um, let's see anything else that's on the clowning horizon. I often in the spring clown horizon, clown horizon, clown horizon, <laughs> uh, go and do a project that's been ongoing in British Columbia that teams youth at risk with Alzheimer's and dementia patients in that community, and we do clown training, um, which also is 
it really, we do some arts-based academic learning to help them support and develop ways for them to succeed more in school. Mm-hmm. We also, part of the clown training lends itself to an empowered vision of self and um, it fosters team skills and deep listening skills and and then when these young folks go and they work with folks that are in full full blown dementia it creates a place where they themselves are the are the only people who can be the superhero right. you know where they have gifts and loves and capacities that exceed other people's and they are needed and they need this sort of raw it's not attention really it's it's fractured focus and uh when they tap that love place the these these people with um alzheimer's and dementia it just opens up and it's this sort of really raw it's another way to contact them yeah Yeah. and it's so intense and so powerful um great you are listening to on stage off stage i'm george sapio and today's guest is holly adams we're talking about clowning And many other things that we'll get to. Um, as an extension of your, I guess, of your clowning, I know you're also a remarkable creator of masks. I mean, to me, the two subjects seem to go together. Yeah, yeah, they do for me, too. And a clowning, you assume one identity or a variation of a clown identity. Yeah, yeah. With the masks that you create, and I've seen some of those, I mean, I've seen a lot of those masks, and you've made two for me when we did The Tempest. It's like you're creating all new spirits. Yeah. All new identities, all new... How many masks have you created? And I... I, Oh, golly. Hundreds. I don't know how many. Any of them stand out? Well, let's see. The, um, The two I made... Um, as a result of my study time in Bali, I made my own interpretation of a barong and a rangda. They, the barong always is, um, has a lion-esque. It might be another animal plus a lion. Okay. It's a It's a powerful entity, kind of like a... Well, the translation is demon, but it's not negative. Mm-hmm. It's hard to really... There's not an exact word. In, okay. Yeah. Um, but... We'll extrapolate. Yeah. Barong represents the, the protective force of light, and Rangda represents fire and chaos and destruction. Then of course, the community yeah. between these two masks. And Stagnation means death yeah, anyway. Exactly. Most exactly. Cultures, so this is... So this, yeah. the two masks that I made and went through the whole ritual prayers and everything on that mm-hmm. for, those two are two of my favorite special ones that I've how made. Do you make, how do you make your masks? I mean, uh, is, is it wood? Is it uh, uh, plastic? Other substances? Is it in uh, particular to the, to the use of the mask or the yes. function? Yes. Yeah, um, I've actually worked in nearly every common mask material, but the two that I prefer most are um, a medical plastic, well, several different medical plastics, um, okay. and manila folders. Um, and We've worked <laughs> on manila folders, yeah. I just made two beautiful, beautiful horses for um, a performance at the Johnson Art Museum, which was reprised at CSMA in the... People were like, well, what's that? Uh, what's this horse made of? And I was like, manila folders. And they're like, no, it yeah. isn't. And I'm like, yes, it is. It's, it's manila well, folders. When we were working on Midsummer Night's Dream, we brought us all in for a mask workshop. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
all I saw were file folders all over the place, and I thought, this is Holly. <laughs> But yeah. then they came out beautiful. <laughs> they they came out amazing. I I um, began working in Manila folders because um, I do um, a lot of work with uh, schools and universities and small theater companies. Uh-huh. And as schools and universities have gotten to a point where they can't afford art supplies anymore, but they can yeah. afford office supplies. <laughs> we, yeah, don't get me started on what we can and can't afford in this country, but art supplies right. are you, at the bottom of the list. Yeah, and Manila folders don't even need to be new to make masks out of. They can be old right. ones with scribble marks on them. And so it's become such a great... And the tissue paper that we use can be... You just save what you got for a birthday present or during the year. You just save it. It doesn't have to be new. Right. And even if you buy it new, you can get it for like a dollar. You know, it's not... It's not an expensive medium. And also, um, so the cool thing about the middle of folders is that when you line the inside with packing tape, it's cleanable. It becomes a... A non-porous, cleanable surface, which is very cool. That's that's brilliant. <laughs> no, How long have you been fun. doing masks? I made my first mask in high school, so nine million years. Uh, well, I'm not going to comment on that. You're listening to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm George Sapio, and our guest today is the endlessly interesting Holly Adams. Um Nine million years ago, masks. Wow. Okay, as as with most things that, that we get to in theater, it it seems to come back to identity. And the mask thing is to me is endlessly fascinating because I've had some small chance to work with masks, and every time I put one on, I feel different. It's I've, I've I have two feelings. One is that I am now in an altered state of movement and physicality. And the other is, I don't know what I look like, <laughs> which bothers me. Does, does How do you deal with that, or do you deal with that? Oh, I love that. That's my favorite part. <laughs> um, but you, that's, uh, that you listen to the mask is amazing. Because, um, I mean, in a mask, again, in Bali, they have a word, taksu, which means spirit mm-hmm. house. And if you create a good enough mask, whoever's wearing it, um, will respond to the spirit will be called into the mask and the intersection of yourself the physicality that the mask demands you know how it wants to be played right and the spirit inside the mask come to a meeting point and that's your performance of the mask and uh, those of you out there in listening land uh, if even if you felt yourself doing things and saying things that you wouldn't normally do when you have a mask on at Halloween that's that's kind of how that is and masks intended for performance and masks made particularly for a particular performance or character are even stronger than those that you find that are sort of mass produced um well individual masks masks yeah 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 yeah, and they're it's exciting so certainly there's some part of which uh where you have to kind of look in the mirror have a partner and say oh, what if i play this cheek does this want to be slow or fast is this diagonal bird-like movement or is because this I, I noticed when elephant like yeah you were instructing us with masks it was tilt the head this way it becomes a question tilt the head that way and it becomes observance tilt the head down and it becomes one thing and that tends to affect the way you move the way you think the way you yeah start to communicate with it's completely different um than what you would normally do. It's it, it it's it's wordless, and it, having to communicate yeah. without words. Um, 
It's so awesome. And different masks have different things that make them work. And smaller is better. It's actually great practice for the actor, period, because we tend to do too much. We create a lot of white noise, and you don't really need to. Less is often more. Cleaner, much cleaner. Um, And in real life, we are not as always conscious not always as conscious. There we go. How about the English language? Yeah, there we go. Um, that helps. <laughs> um, but 80% and up of communication is not in the text, not in the words that you're saying. Um, are we talking subtext? Are we talking... Just, just you know, how, pe- how people interpret what's happening or how people understand what you're really saying. Intention. So sometimes yeah. it's intention, sometimes it's subtext, sometimes it's um, implied status. But there's a lot that happens in a communicated moment. I'm actually, um, this will be my second year working um, in a classroom at IC for folks, for students going into some medical-related field or health-related field, rather, helping them to become conscious of... Um, and learn how to respond to um, those physical messages and tone messages and status messages that they're sending without realizing it or that they can watch happening and say, oh, my God, I can tell that this moment is not going to work for this patient. What can I do? Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But it's related back to mask, you know, that whole process of becoming more conscious of the tiny, tiny little things that have signals deep yeah 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 identifiers or, or whatever they're called yeah it's the smallest thing becomes it transmits to somebody else who's looking at you and even if they don't actually realize what it is they're doing their brain is saying i'm picking up this intention from the way they're yeah. looking from the way they're grinning from the way the way their eyes are doing something yeah. it's it's all these multitudinous little tiny things mm-hmm mm-hmm but for the most part, masks are fixed objects, so you have to take that whole thing. Yeah, and bring yeah, it to life. Exactly. It's so exciting. I know I don't have much time, so yeah, voice no, is important. Sorry, 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 I do sorry. audiobooks. Um, but also, if you were to turn the sound We're getting down. to that. Oh, sorry. You ruined my segue, I'm Holly. sorry. You couldn't cut that part out. <laughs> masks have always fascinated me because it's yeah. it, it hides the person behind them. In fact, it erases the person behind them, and it becomes separate kind of yeah. different entity. You become in service to this other Exactly. Um, Sorry, you, I ruined your segue. No, 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 it's fine. Well, we'll, we'll just, I'll just stumble <laughs> Pretend right it's a along. segue that's like, you know, you ride on, and uh, I'm the one that threw a rock in by accident. <laughs> You're listening to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm George Sapio, and I am here today with Holly Adams, uh, mask maker, clown, and... For those of you still tuned in and who have been listening to her dulcet tones wafting over the uh, airwaves. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're probably thinking to yourself, wow, this woman should do audiobooks. And guess what? She does. You're so sweet. Well, let's, we try. Um, what kind of books do you, who, what kind of books do, you do? How many have you done? And, and what's it like to actually... Sit down, face a mic. Do you face a microphone? Do you do you, you have the text in front of you? How does this work? Um, yeah, I'm still a relative newbie to single narrator books. Um, I've done it for a year now, and I think I just finished book number nine or ten. Wow! And um, anyway, the 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 three most recent ones that I really like are. Um, Taking Love in Stride, which is a romance, uh, Old Enough to Know Better, which is fabulous because it's um, the main character is about to turn 50. And it's, Mm. you know, so you don't have to be like 20 to have love. 
And I, I don't know. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> I, I fully agree with yeah. that sentiment, of course. Yeah. I'm proud to say, and I'm going to cross my fingers, and I'm not hexing myself, but the most recent one to come out is Taking Love in Stride, and it came out with two five-star re- Excellent. reviews. So. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, my very first one, which was a little over a year ago, I was completely... Completely bewildered because I, I just a lot of things happened. I brought a lot of my own stress and monsters into the studio and basically shot myself in the foot. So, yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> so my yeah, that happens one. in life. Welcome to I, I, yeah. I know from listening to other audiobooks, mm-hmm. some of the uh, the readers are extraordinarily gifted, and I'm going to just put you into that because oh, you're I, generous. Well, <laughs> but there's subtleties. There's subtleties to the voices that they do, the literal, literal voices in the book. Yeah. That when one character speaks, you know it. When the next character speaks, you know it. What kind of process do you go through? How long does it take you to get ready to do a chapter from a book? How much do you uh-huh. do it? it it's Well, um, I think different narrators have different processes, and a lot of it depends. Um, some things are the same, but some things are different, whether or not you're recording at home, at your home studio, right. or whether or not you're going into, like, Audible studios. Um, mm-hmm. And because if you go into the studio, one of their studios, you're recording for six hours. Right. And if you're in your own studio, you can decide how much time you want to be in there. Um, but I would say for myself, um, I read I read the book. A minimum of three times. Uh, the first time I, I try to read it just as a consumer so that I can just feel, have the, have the book impact me. Get just an initial as a, impression. Yeah, because I want to, I feel like I won't really completely understand how the book should impact the listener if I myself have not felt its effect on me. Okay. You know what I mean? And try to be completely open to that book, even if it's not something I would choose for myself. And then I go through it and I think about the characters' voices and their intentions and a lot of their... I bring a lot of physicality to my understanding of their of who they are and what they do. And, um, you know, like the Le bon stuff... Um, you know, the energy movement qualities and breath okay. and tension and release. And sometimes there's accents. And luckily, I mean, I was born in New Jersey and then I lived in South Carolina in my language years. Some of my family still lives in in the South and some live in Texas. So my Southern and Texan variants are, are natural. Right. Um, and um, I do speak French and some Spanish and other languages. So with some practice, I can do that. But the accents are sort of less of a, a thing that you think about. And then you have to look at all of the words that you thought you were pronouncing correctly your whole life. And it turns out you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been caught by that. There's like a word. I'll be like, no, no, I'm 100% sure. Yeah, no. Debacle is one of mine, yes. Oh, oh, yeah. And then yeah. words that you may not know. And then sometimes there's different, you know, and then you have to think about the stuff that you would think about for any script. Where are we, you know, I don't want to broadcast the end. Where is the character on this journey? Right. What, what is the purpose of this scene and the arc? What are the different character arcs and how does this moment fit in with this character? And then right after that, the other character responds to it and they're at a different place in their character arc. And I, I'm, I try to map that out for myself. No, it sounds to me like an, an extraordinarily difficult job. I mean, A, reading a book, B, reading anything for any length of time at all is uh, intense. 
Um, and yeah, I just wondered. It's because uh, most of the ones I've heard have been absolutely, extremely brilliantly done, and and I sit there in awe listening to these folks with inexhaustible voices and uh, endless amounts of of um, intention and accenting. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 quite impressive. Um, and the hard I'm, part is finding the car- the narrator because you don't want to really notice the narrator. Right. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, we have to notice that it's time to go. Um, Holly, thank you so very, very, very much for being on the show. And uh, it was an absolute joy to have you here. Well, it's an honor to do anything with you, George. Oh, I love you. You're awesome. You too, sweet Holly. We'll see you folks again next time. Thanks.